today to This Needs to Be Said, TNTBS, and I am your host, Catherine Waddell. There is such a need for people to be able to be truthful today. We've been tactful all around the world, and in the midst of that, trying to fit in so we conform, we want to be accepted. Then one day you ask yourself, what is my truth? While digging through a lot of baggage, gathered from wanting to belong somewhere and not sure what you believe, there's a crying out for all those things that should be said that are not being said. No longer will we pretend that there are no issues to address or that we are only going to talk about certain ones. This show, coupled with our blog site and our website, will be the beginning of you finding your way. There is an elephant in the room. Let's talk about it. You were thinking it. We're going to talk about it. Thank you so much for joining us today as we're going to help you get your house in order. Attorney Marjorie Brown is going to come and talk with us about sending our kids back to school. How do you cover the charges for the kids, the kids, <laughs> the kids um, expenses for school? How do you even begin to set that up and what does that have to do with the state planning? Get your pen and paper out, classes in session. Attorney Brown will be with us after this short break to let us know what estate planning has to do with our children going to college. Ladies, let's talk honestly about our man. We love him. We tolerate and overlook what we can, but we secretly wish we could change some things about him. What he needs is a gentle wake-up call. And so, may I present to you The Good Husband's Bible, an interesting and engaging book. It provides the wisdom, guidance, and positive motivation that every man needs in order to change himself and fulfill his roles as a man. Find it on Amazon and Lulu.com and visit us on Facebook at The Good Husband's Bible. At Gene Chris Media, we have fun with food. We produce food, wine, and spirit TV shows featuring top celebrity chefs, bringing them to the top TV networks. We love collaborating with celebrity, personal, and holistic chefs by creating food tastings and cooking demos. Join in the merriment in one of our featured gourmet kitchens, take part in our private in-home dining experiences, or participate in one of our exquisite culinary catering events. Join the fun at jeanchrismedia.com forward slash culinary dash wine dash spirits. Thank you so much for joining us today for This Needs to Be Said. There is an elephant in the room. And we're going to talk about kids going to college and Really, what needs to be talked about? What does that have to do with the state planning? So we're going to be joined by Attorney Marjorie Brown in just a moment, but I want you to stop by her website at ncestatelawfirm.com. Hey, Attorney Brown, how are you? I'm doing good, thanks. How are you doing? Wonderful. 
I just I have to know. <laughs> State planning and my kids going to school make that make sense to me. <laughs> well, you know, I don't, I you know, uh, <laughs> having just having just went off to college myself, you know, I started it, and you know, you you don't. If we talk about getting your own house in order, I started thinking about, you know, what do I need to get my own house in order with my child going to college? And it hit me. When they turn 18, we no longer, they're considered an adult. And since they're considered an adult, uh, their bank accounts, um, their health care decisions, even talking to the doctor, all these things, we don't have access to anymore. Uh, not saying that we need access to control, but, you know, I'm always looking for the what-if scenario. So, you know, there's the what-if. What if something were to happen with our child? And uh-huh. we're calling and trying to talk to a doctor who says, well, I don't have a HIPAA release for you. I can't really talk to you. I don't really know who you are over the phone. Oh. And we can't get the information that we need about our child. Or, you know, if something were to happen and we need to close out accounts and do certain things for our kids, and we can't because why? Their house is not in order. Or let me face that, our house is not in order. And so mm. I realized, you know, and I started researching and, and, and realizing that, oh, my goodness, okay, none of us want to realize our kids are grown. <laughs> but No, we don't. I have one going the, to... In, in, yeah, I got one yeah, in high school this year, ninth grade, and I'm like, yikes. So no. Okay, <laughs> exactly. I say I got another one the same age. Yeah. So you know, we have to realize that you know, in the eyes of the law, they're considered adults now, and because they're considered adults, there's a kind of divide now between their life and our life, and not just the controls, but the decisions that need to be made or that may need to be made. So we go back to those basic documents that we talk about all the time. So, you know, number one, you know, and and I've talked to my friends about this as well with their kids going off college. We need to make sure that our kids have a springing power of attorney in place. You know, in case, you know, we, we, we love our kids. We think that they're the best in the world. But, unfortunately, other people, there are other people out there that we can't control. So if they're in an accident, um, there was an article literally about a kid in college who was in a coma. And the parents had to go to court to get appointed guardian of their own kid <laughs> who wow. was over the age of 18 to be able to close out accounts and make financial decisions. And this is their own child. So, uh-huh. and, and the cost of going to court to get appointed guardian of your own child who can no longer make some of these decisions, that's very expensive. So, again, you get that springing power of attorney in place, and that takes care of that. And... The springing power of attorney, just for those who haven't um, listened before or don't know, there's a regular durable power of attorney that goes into effect as soon as you sign it. And then there's a springing power of attorney that goes into effect only when it's necessary. So if there's an incapacity that comes about, then that power of attorney springs to life. So if something were to happen with your child and they were in an accident and they couldn't make some decisions, then that power of attorney would spring to life. But once they're able to start making those decisions again, that power of attorney basically goes dormant again. So you have that document in place. Then there's the health care power of attorney. Well, okay, nobody, you, you don't really want to talk to your kid about about their death. Right, okay. you don't. So, you know, and, but I put the health care power of attorney and a living will in the same category. So mm-hmm. you've got the health care power of attorney. They need to name somebody to make health care decisions for them if they can't. 
Right. And they need to think about, right. well, who who do you want to make those decisions for you? It can be mom. It can be dad. It can be, you know, you know, your auntie. It, it just, it, who is it that you want to be making those decisions? But then our kids are, are, are adults in the eyes of the laws now. So what what is their opinion about their end of life? If something were to happen and they were in a coma and the doctor says that they're not going to come out of a coma, well, what is it they want? Do they want to be potentially hooked up to the machines, or do they not? They actually have an opinion, and they have a right to that opinion. Um, I had somebody tell me, no, I'll let my son know what his opinion is and and what his decision is going to be on this form. And I said, no, you can't do that. You need to actually leave the room so he and I can talk because you can't make this decision for him anymore because he's grown. Oh, that just and so, me in my chest thinking about that. That that is exactly. I thought it was as an adult thinking it was tough for me to talk to my family about my end of life. But this exactly. is taking a whole different turn. You know, I, as you're talking, I'm hearing my kids who think they're invincible. Oh, you know, I'm I'm never gonna die. What would their responses be? You know, so I could understand exactly. that person being fearful for their kid. I'll tell them what their opinion is. Wow. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 and I've said before, you know, when we do this on the other end, when we're, you know, taking care of these, these papers and getting everything in order for our parents, it's a mat, it's, you know, so it's not us making that decision for them about their end of life. Well, can you imagine how traumatic it is for a parent to make that decision for their child? To have to mm-hmm. say, okay, you know what, we've never had this conversation. I don't know what they want, but... Okay, I'm I'm just gonna all right. I'm gonna go ahead and say let's just go ahead and remove the life support. With when you you know you don't know what they may want. Whereas if you've had this conversation and it's documented, then that decision has been made for you, and it's not you making that decision about your child. Uh, and granted, you know before they turn 18, that is up to us to decide. But once they hit 18, that's their decision. And then, you know, so you've got your health care power of attorney, you've got your living will or your advanced directive, um, and then you've got your HIPAA release. So the HIPAA release, that's the um, Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. It's a long line, long name for it, but HIPAA. It basically, it's what gives the doctors the permission to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Because once they reach a certain age, no, the doctors um, – if you're not on a release, then just on general information, doctors won't talk to you. You can't get this information. And, you know, the story in the, that I had read in the newspaper, um, well, there were multiple stories, but this one was where the child was, you know, unconscious. They woke up and told the doctor, okay, talk to my parents. And then the doctors were able to talk wow. to them more in depth. You know, and so... Can you imagine? That's, that's not going to be something that can happen all the time. Right, exactly, you know? exactly, exactly. And then, so you've got those documents in place. And then, you know, honestly, as crazy as it sounds, a will. You know, well, what or do they child. have? Exactly, what do they right. have? Well, I, I, Well, you have to look at your family situation. If they have a, again, I've said before, you don't know how you're going to leave this world, okay? It could have been a car accident where there's a lawsuit involved. Well, if your 18-year-old or older now has a sibling who has a disability and that sibling is on Medicaid, 
And depending upon your state, if you don't have a will, then part of your child's estate, you know, might go to that disabled child, which will then kick them off of Medicaid. Mm-hmm. So again, they could they could do more harm by not just you know just just having something jotted down, not just jotted down, but you know have something in place where you make sure that it doesn't go to this person, or if it does, it goes in a specific way. And even to the point where I, I I look at you know at my church and there is one girl whose mom is she's has a disability she's in a wheelchair I don't know if she's on Medicaid or not but I know she has a disability well mm-hmm. if something were to happen and she's a single mom if something were to happen to her daughter and everything goes to her well she no longer is eligible for Medicaid if she's on Medicaid. So you, it, so it's not just a matter of okay, yeah, they need a will. I, I need you to take a look at the family situation, the family dynamics, and say, is this something that I need to have in place to protect possibly my other child or to protect myself? Mm-hmm. That we need to have, we we need my older child to have a will in place. So you know, we go. So we've got you know, again, your basic documents, your power, springing power of attorney, your health care power of attorney your advanced directive, your HIPAA release, and a will. Uh, but then there's one other one that I toss in there, and, I, you know, I didn't even think about it until I was in uh, college orientation. And it's called a FERPA, F-E-R-P-A, and it stands for Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. Once your child is in college and they're 18, um, you don't have a right to see their grades anymore. What? And I'm paying school? <laughs> exactly. You might be paying. Exa- that was my whole point, sitting in that orientation, and I looked at my child. You, we might be paying for school, but unless they sign this FERPA saying that you have the right to see their grades, they can't tell you anything about their grades. They can't send you your grades. You can't look at their grades. Nothing. At which point, you know, at, at that orientation, all the parents in the room were looking around going, oh, you're going to sign that. <laughs> because uh-huh. Uh-huh. our money's going to this school, and I need to make sure that you're on top of what you're supposed to be on top of here so I know if you're going to stay here for another semester. Right. You know, right. So, so that adds one other document in place that, again, you don't even really think about. You don't know to know to, to know about that one because I certainly didn't know about that one because I thought, surely, I'm paying tuition. Surely well, they're going to let me. Question. Yeah, uh, let me ask you this. Because kids are not considered an independent student from their parents until they're 22 or 24, so I'm still paying for school, but I can't know about your grades, and you can't exactly. be an independent student from your parents until you're much older. But it, So that's what can, that's confusing. At 18, I can't know your grades, but at 18, you cannot be considered independent because as a per- parent, I would say, well, if I can't see the grades, then they need to pay for themselves, and the school <laughs> won't let you do that. So right. help and me out. <laughs> that, that, those, those are two different areas, though. They can't be considered independent for insurance reasons, so they're on your insurance until they're 24. But I can't know that's what they're going to the doctor for. <laughs> exactly. And that, that, exactly. Exactly. Oh, God. They're on your insurance. Uh, your insurance is covering them, but unless you have a HIPAA in place for the doctor to talk to you, you won't know what they're going. To, you can't know what they're going to the doctor for. 
Mm-hmm. Doctor can't talk to you because they're over eighteen. I know it sounds completely convoluted. It does. <laughs> but, it does. I'm, but, that, that's the word. <laughs> Convo that <yeah>. word. <laughs> exactly. It, I mean, it is. It, it really, really is because in one eye. You know, they're, we're going to cover them with our insurance until they're 24, but the doctor can't tell us what they're coming in for. Mm. And on the other hand, so you got that on one hand, and then on the other hand, we're paying for their tuition for college, but we can't know what their grades are unless they've signed this other document here. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, my wake-up call to all the parents who've sent their kids off to school that, you know, when they come home for fall break, Thanksgiving, whatever, you need to start getting this house in order right here and getting these documents in place because without them, there can be catastrophes out there that you won't be able to step in and help. And there can be, you know, again, you may need to know, oh, uh, uh, you're not going back to school. <laughs> you know, you're not going back to this college or university. Uh, this next mm-hmm. semester, you need to sit home and work, go to community college, and prove that you can go back the next semester after mm-hmm. that because I won't wow. know what your grades are. Now, and, and, that, and there's two you. sides of it. Mm-hmm. There's two sides of it. I just had someone to inbox me and said they were on a basketball scholarship. They didn't need their mom looking over their shoulder, and that's from the student's point of view. But as the parent, I'm feeling, you know, entitled. I'm paying the bills. I have you on my insurance. You can't be an independent student, so... I need to be able to look at it, rightfully so, to see if I'm wasting my money. But for the student who has that, you know, yes, you may have to keep up a basketball scholarship in order to stay there. So if you get kicked off the basketball team and kicked out of school, I know your grades aren't good. But along the way, there's some other issues other than hiding and me being entitled or me having privacy. How do we um, how do we come to terms with that? Because let's say that I'm the parent and the person who just inboxed me that, is my student that I sent off to school. So we're at a stalemate. No, Mom, I don't want to fill out those forms. I don't want you to be able to see these things. And I'm saying, well, I'm paying these bills, and I have to carry you on my insurance. I need to be able to see it, as opposed to having a tug of war and threatening, you know, I just want to pay for you to go to school, you know, just the extremes that can happen. How do we have that conversation? You know, it's hard for me to remove the mom out of me (laughs) in Mm -hmm. responding to that statement because the mom in me says, if I'm paying any bill for you, then I should be able to know. But the realist in me says, okay, you're right. So uh, addressing this person who's uh, who's at school on a, on a basketball scholarship, you need to keep a certain GPA to keep that basketball scholarship, okay? Your coaches, while they want you to keep that GPA, their goal is for basketball, okay? Our goal as a parent is for life. Our goal is to make sure that you are be, are going to be able to graduate and be functional. Only a certain percentage of kids in school make it to the NBA, and even then they still need to know. They still need to have an Uh education. So our goal is to make sure that you stay on top of these things. So instead of saying, okay, you know what, you don't have a right to know this information, how about embracing a support system and and making sure that you have help out there when you need it? So if you've got a full ride, okay, that's great. That's wonderful. That's excellent. That is, it, it really, really is. And I truly do believe, you know, there are times where our kids mess up and they need to be able to fix that mess up on their own without us stepping in. I do believe that. But there are times, and you may be able to work out an agreement where it's, it's, it's not a matter of 
you know, you're not checking on them every week on their grades, uh, what their grades are. But you know what? If if I'm calling you and saying I'm having a problem and you can't even call the school and talk to a professor or talk to anybody about it, well, I can't help you because mm-hmm. you haven't signed this form. So it's, you it's speak on your behalf. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I can't Sometimes. speak up for you if I don't know what's going on, and exactly. even if there's some Ex- trouble areas. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So you need that support system no matter what. And trust me, I get it because I don't want to call them a, a you know a, a stubborn person, but I was that person. It, it wasn't a basketball scholarship, but it was a um, it was based on my GPA. I got a scholarship for college, a full ride, and. My thought was the same thing. Was well, I'm I'm paying for all this, <laughs> but uh-huh. I, you know, as you get older, you realize you need that support system. You need that support system, and that support system comes not just with your grades. Okay, it's not just with your grades because the FERPA is just one document in a whole list of other documents. Uh-huh. Like I said, there's the Spring and Power of Attorney. There's the health care power of attorney. There's the HIPAA. There's the advanced directive. If you cut everybody off as far as being able to help you to make these decisions, then there's nobody who can help you. Wow. And when you think about it, too late, it's, it's that. It's too late. Exactly. It's too late. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and and so. then your parents or your family is like this other family having to go to court and pay a whole lot to get appointed to be your guardian in order to help you or in order to make financial decisions for you and other decisions for you because of that too late point. Something bad has happened. Some catastrophic mm-hmm. event. So that's, that's unfortunate. Wow. So sitting down to have this conversation while we're picking colleges, I would say, would be a good time to begin that conversation because when it gets down to the wire and you have deadlines, emotions are running high, we don't want to let our kids go, we need to let them go, they want to go, they're wanting to explore, they're excited about this new adventure of school away from their parents more than likely, um, may be too late to have that conversation. So begin, you know, listen, these are some things we want to have in place. And as parents, uh, we, we are just that protective and overbearing a lot of times in our kids' eyes. Um, begin to practice pulling back a bit and finding that balance because we want our kids to trust us enough to know that, well, I'm not trying to, you know, peep up on you. Even if you check their room every day since kindergarten, you're going to have to make some changes to loosen the grip because, a lot of my friends that have gone off to college went to get away from their parents. So mm-hmm. having that fight about that extra form or two to know what's going on healthcare-wise and um, school with their grades, they may not want to do that. So you need to position your kids to be willing to work with you part of the way. Like don't go and snooping, but right. position yourself to, to be able to help them. And that, I'm, as a mom, I'm saying that, and it hurts me to say it too, but the truth is, you don't want to only be there in case of an emergency. You want them to know that you're supportive along the way. So we have to um, 
Is there a class for that? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I wish it was. I'm, 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 I'm learning this one. I'm learning this one as I go. Uh, but you know, and, and understand, you know, I, as I said at the beginning, it does not have to be your parents on that springing power of attorney or that healthcare power of attorney. The whole purpose is that there's somebody out there that can help you in that time of need. Because if there's mm-hmm. nobody out there, if there's nobody on these documents, if there's nobody out there, then there's nobody. Mm. And that is all. (laughs) (laughs) I'm holding my breath. Uh, And it's it's, it's a challenge, but they're growing up. They're growing up, and if we're practicing these things for ourselves, and Mm -hmm. we're putting these things in place for ourselves as the parent, as the adult, having the conversation with our kids should be a little easier. Having It should be a little easier. Not a whole lot because, again, that's our baby, and we're letting our baby grow, grow up. <laughs> um, and, 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 I, and I will tell you that that advanced directive conversation is one of the hardest ones that you will have to find out from your kids what their thoughts are about their end of life. But mm-hmm. it's a conversation. It's just like a conversation, you know, that you have with your parents or with your spouse or with other loved ones in your family. It's a conversation, and it's a conversation that you need to have so that, you know, you have an idea. That's a hard mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Well, Attorney Brown, I know our time is about to wrap up here. Make sure you give us our, our call to action points um, as well as how to get in touch with you outside of this needs to be said. Thank you, know, The action points, again, are that because your child is now 18, um, there's nobody that can make these decisions for them in case they need it. So you need to have a springing power of attorney in case you need financial decisions that need to be made and they're, because they're incapacitated, a health care power of attorney. You need to have an advanced directive discussing their end-of-life decisions. You need to have a HIPAA release so that the doctors will talk to you or anybody else that they want them to be able to talk to. You, they need to have a will. If there is a disabled sibling or a disabled parent in their life, you need to have a will to protect yourself or that other child. And then... Okay, the FERPA. That one again is a conversation between parent and child. It has you need to um, see if you're you know doing the FERPA so that you can see what their grades are and you know advocate on their behalf if you need to. Mhm. Mhm. And, and if I you think, need to. Mhm. Go ahead. No, I, go I ahead. just think that's a really good um, piece. To, all of it is, but being able to help your kids with their grades or being able to speak on their behalf to their teachers from time to time, they they don't always know the right things or the right way to present themselves to their teachers. So being a support and being empowered to be a support during that time is going to be, um, would be ideal. Just wanted to add that. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, and I was going to say, and if you need to um, to reach us, you can reach us at 704-795-9455, or you can, or my website, as you said before, is www.ncestatelawfirm.com, and we can answer your questions. All right. Attorney Brown, thank you so much, and we'll see you back here on next month. Okay. See you you then.
students use text messaging as their primary means of communication in this day and age of technology, turn this trend into a positive studying experience by letting PrepCube.com push a daily SAT or PSAT test prep question to your students by text message. Help them develop a consistent study habit and at the same time eliminate procrastination starting early in high school for their school careers. Tablet-friendly and online tutoring also available. To sign up and for more information, go to prepcube.com. Can a wise-cracking, thousand-year-old parrot, a girl grieving her mother, and a boy missing his father save two worlds? In the new fantasy thriller Whip Eye, Samantha and Jake have 24 hours to face their greatest fears and find out if the supernatural staff, Whip Eye, can defeat an ancient evil guardian. Chased by monsters and unsure who to trust, can Samantha and Jake learn to trust each other? This fast-paced adventure is about trusting yourself, protecting others, and discovering the beauty of nature. Over 100 different species of wild animals are mentioned. Whip Eye is a unique blend of magical creatures and wildlife. A surprise-filled story that will appeal to readers of all ages. Watch the Whip Eye book trailer on YouTube. Whip Eye, book one of the Whip Eye Chronicles by Jeffrey Sign. Getting great reviews everywhere. Whip Eye at Amazon.com. CarHelpout.com makes finding local mobile mechanic service simple for cars, trucks, vans, SUVs, RVs, or semi-trailers. From Alabama to Washington, D.C., Mobile Mechanic Shops on Wheels will come to you. Visit us at carhelpout.com forward slash location for a technician near you. It's the convenience. Are you looking for a personal handmade custom gift for your wedding or your bridal party? At ironlace.com, we customize robes, tank tops, off-the-shoulder shirts, dresses, hoodies, toiletry bags, and more. What a fun and fabulous way to make your special day shine. Please visit arenlace.com for your custom-designed apparel today. I'm Darren Marlar, and this is your Daily Dose of Weird News. The Colorado mountain town of Montezuma is suing its 61 registered voters in an effort to sort out the results of an April election that the lawsuit says was filled with errors. The lawsuit filed last week commands the voters to appear in court so a judge can examine the election results from mayor and town board. Twelve people ran for mayor and Leslie Davis won by three votes. Well, there are claims that second homeowners participated, and Davis says 13 voters and at least two candidates were not residents of the town. She says the lawsuit is the only option to determine how to move forward. Several town residents have hired an attorney to challenge the lawsuit. Now, in case you didn't catch that, Colorado residents, U.S. citizens, are being sued in court for the way they voted. Okay, so using the term, this is a free country, vote how you want, that no longer applies anymore. The Wall Street Journal reports the National Football League has eyed three possible performers for the 2015 Super Bowl halftime show. Rihanna, Katy Perry, and Coldplay. Hey, guess who's not going to be watching the Super Bowl halftime show this year? This guy. 
A mother in the advanced stages of labor thought that she had just enough time to stop off and register her four-year-old son at a Houston-area school en route to the hospital. Well, she was mistaken. A school nurse and police officer helped Vanessa de Leon deliver her baby at the campus clinic of Fisher Elementary School in Pasadena. The boy, named Giovanni, weighed six pounds, three ounces. De Leon says her contractions began earlier in the day, but that she was intent on registering her son Alex for pre-kindergarten at Fisher before giving birth to her fourth child. The mother and her newborn were doing well when they were later transferred to Bayshore Medical Center. And she successfully registered Alex for pre-K at Fisher. Sadly, because there were so many children present, Fisher Elementary now mandates sex ed for all incoming kindergartners. Iceland has raised its volcano alert. You know the situation's dicey when the TV weather person's five-day forecast includes the word run. Speaking of weather, an eastern Iowa farm has found a creative way to celebrate today's show weatherman Al Roker's 60th birthday. Bloomsbury Farm in Atkins has put together a 10-acre corn maze that shows Roker's face and reads, Happy 60th Al. Farm owners Dave and Karen Peterson have chosen a different theme for their corn maze each year for more than a decade. They work with the maize company, which designs and cuts the corn. Karen Peterson says the couple chose Roker because he seems like a great guy. They also appreciate his charity work. The corn maze took six hours to cut and includes two miles for the public to explore. It formally opens during the Labor Day weekend and runs through Halloween. And Roker guarantees pleasant weather throughout the entire period. A New Jersey man spent his 101st birthday at work in the job that he has held for 73 years. Herman High Goldman still works four days a week at a light fixture company. Now, how do you know, though, at that age that the light you keep walking towards is coming from a light bulb? Texas Governor Rick Perry is calling an indictment against him bogus and says he intends to fight the charges. Governor Perry was indicted by a grand jury in Travis County, a Democratic stronghold in the heavily Republican state, over a funding veto that he made last year. Perry's expected to survive the court battle, but officials say the trial could drag on for months, casting a shadow over his possible campaign for president in 2016. The governor, he, he was indicted for three things. One, abuse of power. Two, coercion over a funding veto. And three, um, uh, uh, th uh, I can't remember the third one. That's your Daily Dose of Weird News. I'm Darren Marlar. You can find more weird news at DailyDoseOfWeirdNews.com. Calling all dreamers. Dreamers, come and get it. You ready? Come and get it. You want it? Come and get it. Right here. Come and get it. For real. Just come and get it. Takes work, but you can get it. Takes time, but you can get it. Stop talking. Come and get it. Keep pushing, and you will get it. You're hoping act for great things when you're dreaming. Watching others make it happen easily, it seems. But you don't see behind the scenes. It's called the real you gotta make it happen now that's keeping it real you're ready come and get it you want it 
much for staying tuned to This Needs to Be Said. We're going to be joined by a special guest. Uh, she's going to talk with us about her book. She's an author, as well as her topic is The Concrete Jungle Theory. Ms. Nini Capri is about to join us in just a bit. She's going to share with us um, the myths and the truth about the theory and what keeps it going. So she's getting ready to teach us, I tell you all the time, to keep your pen and paper out class is always in session, so get ready. Class is in session. Welcome to the show. Welcome to This Needs to Be Said, Ms. Nini Capri. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for having me. Awesome. What I want you to do before we get into that topic, I got my mm-hmm. pen and paper out so you know I'm ready to take notes myself, but introduce mm-hmm. yourself to the This Needs to Be Said audience. Yes, I will. Um, my name is Nini Capri. I am the best-selling author of the Pussy Trap series one, two, and three that I have under the infamous Wahida Clark, um, New York Times best-selling author. I also have a Trust No Bitch series one, two, and three that I co-wrote with Cash, also an author of WCP. I am now with G Street Chronicles. I have Tainted. Part one, and I just released Dream Weaver. I am also the boss lady. I like that name. Publishing. (laughs) I like that name, Dream Weaver. Now, did you say trust no bitch? Yes, I did. (laughs) I wanted to make sure. (laughs) Sounds like that needs to be said. We'll um, 
we'll get into that. I'm making a no. We need to get into that. <laughs> that might be uh, that we might already know, but we might need to read your spin on it for real. Um, what I want to know, <laughs> what I want to know from you, what got you involved in writing? You know, mm-hmm. that's not an easy task. It's not an easy thing to sit down and do and to crank mm-hmm. out. You know, a, a five-page paper for class, let alone a, a whole novel and then the co-write with another mind in writing. So what got you involved? What's your passion? Um, I've always loved the word. My mother taught me how to read when I was three years old. So I've always been interested in words, and she read to us every day. So that became ingrained uh, in my spirit. And when I became 10 years old, my stepfather gave me a journal, and he made me a pen out of a bird feather. And when he passed that to me, out of everything I got on Christmas, that was like everything. I felt like he gave me the power of words. I was, I, I, I just couldn't wait to tear the pages open and, and begin to write and share um, my thoughts and my ideas. And I have been journaling ever since. I have all my journals from when I was a little girl because I, I like to look back and see my progress. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, my father... Uh, went to prison when I was a child, and my mother had to struggle and do what she had to do because he had a life big. He was a political prisoner, and he had been given life. Um, she had to do what she had to do to take care of us, and at one point in time, it landed her behind the wall. So I had two parents behind the wall with my grandmother raising me. Um, I went into the streets really, really heavy, and on three different occasions, um, I almost lost my life. Like, guys were standing right next to me. Somebody walked up and blew their head off. Like, they standing right wow. at me. You know, like, they laying at my feet. I'm watching them twitch. You know, I'm watching, you know, the, the life leave right out of a man. And after it happened the last time, I, I came home and I was journaling in the middle of the night. And I just was like, Lord, you've got to help me. You know, I'm not going to make it. I, you know, I cried and I wrote and I cried and I wrote. And I was like, please, deliver me. Um, my dad was getting ready to come home from prison. I was wild. I was out there. And he was like, please, baby, I don't want to see nothing happen to you. You know, get with Wahida Clark. She can, she's going to be able to help you. And I was like, you know, I'm in the street. I don't really want no help like that. Like, you know, I'm going to be okay. And uh-huh. Wahida reached out to me. And I was like, you know, she said, if you want to really get out, you want to be saved, come move with me. Like, I'm, I'm going to take you up out of here. And I'm like, I don't know this lady. And, you know, right. she knew my family, but I didn't know her. And right. um, I was like, mm, no. But when I was riding home uh, in the cab from my father's house after talking to Wahida, all the flashes of all the death and the pain and, 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 and the, the progression just played in my head like a movie in 3D. And my prayer my prayer came to the front of my head, didn't you ask me for help? And I came in the house. I ran up all them project steps. I got on that phone. I called Wahida. I said, I'm coming. <laughs> she took me up under her wing, and I said, let me get my money right. I said, give me about a week. You know, I got to do what I got to do right quick, and um, I'm coming. And I came into her house. She took me in like her daughter and taught me and trained me, put me in business. And then she fell behind, and um, she went behind the wall in 1998, and it felt like I lost a mother all over again. Um, she discovered that she could write in there to take care of her family because she had left us out here. She had two teenage daughters. She had me. She had her husband behind the wall. And um, she needed something to do when she came home, and she started the company. She told me to go to school. I started getting my degrees until she got out, and when she came out, I fell right in up under the publishing company, 
became street team first and then became an author in 2011. So it's been a beautiful journey, and I'm just blessed that I can put my mind, my spirit, and my heart on the pages and, and give it to the readers so they can have something good to read. I'm blessed. Wow. <laughs> well, it, it's not, I mean, I love your energy. Love your energy. And that's, <laughs> that's one of the things. I love reading. I have books that I need to pass on to other people. I, I love, I'm a book hoarder. I read my books. I'm an avid reader. But I love how the stories come to life. And you do wonder, what part of the author is in the book? So how much of you would you say have you put into your writing, or is it a lot more of your imagination than you in the book? Um, it's all me uh, because I had a lot of friends who fell. Like I'm almost 40, and half of my friends are either dead and some of them are incarcerated or, or even mm-hmm. strung out on drugs but their spirit and their personality has lived with me all the time. So I bring them back to life in my books. I I give the characters their names. I bring up real-life situations. You know, some of it is fictional, but a a lot of it is just me. It's just my character. The females are very, very strong. You know, I like to write strong black women. Uh, They're not taking no junk. Their tongues are slippery. And um, don't come for them. You know, don't come for them. And I like a strong black man. So I use the people around me, the, the situations I've had in my life, my past, because as long as I can keep looking at my past, it doesn't become a, a chain around my ankle. I'm able to look back and say, yeah, I did that, but look what I'm doing now. So mm-hmm. I always put it in there so I can stay humble, you know, so I can just stay grounded and centered. So, yeah, that's how I do. <laughs> Okay, good deal. Now, what I want to do is take a short break. I want to, before we go to the break, I want you to tell me about this book, Trust What What is I'm going to mess up the title of it. All I remember is Bitch. Trust. <laughs> you said that I was like no, shocked. Yes. Trust No Bitch. We have part one, two, and three, and uh, that's the series that I co-wrote. I wrote The Pussy Trap by myself, um, that series, but I co-wrote Trust No Bitch. And I came right up out of, um, you know, the pussy track, right, and the trust no bitch. And really, sometimes the bitch you can't trust is not a woman. It just might be a man. So you got to get in them pages and find out what's going on. <laughs> oh, wow. Give your website. Um, we're going to go to a break, but give your website while, um, before we go to this break. Okay, they can catch me on NeNeCapri.com. They can also catch me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm always Nene Capri everywhere you, you need me. Google it. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back after this short break. I'm Darren Marlar, and this is your daily dose of weird news. When police pulled over a car in Pennsylvania, they found a thoroughly intoxicated man behind the wheel with his eight-year-old nephew sitting on his lap, steering, and his nine-year-old nephew in the back. You know, that's, that's something you don't see much of anymore. Families spending time together. If you're dieting and exercising and you still can't get rid of that donut around your midsection, well, the report in Charisma News could contain the answer. The article says stress and its effect on the adrenal glands could be impacting your body's ability to burn fat. They say one of the first steps in overcoming the problem is reducing your stress through getting enough sleep, avoiding caffeine, and exercising. Well, now, but see, if I give up caffeine, what?
wouldn't I be that much more stressed? A woman was arrested earlier this week for attempting to steal merchandise from Macy's at a California mall. The 45-year-old woman was caught with items in her purse by Macy's security personnel. During a struggle, the woman's shirt and bra came off and she ran to her car, leaving her purse, shirt and bra behind. Authorities found her driver's license in her purse and commented that her driver's license picture was not the best likeness. Or, um, uh, best likeness. Jones Soda is set to release their lab's latest seasonal soda mashup. The color wizards are behind such daring past flavor creations as key lime pie, turkey and gravy soda, broccoli casserole soda, and applesauce flavored soda. And according to Relevant Magazine, Jones Soda has now announced plans to release a peanut butter and jelly back-to-school cola. You know, if that's with the crust cut off, count me in. A semi-trailer has overturned on an Indianapolis interstate, spilling what police say are 45,000 pounds of packages of butter and other dairy products. The crash happened in the eastbound lanes of Interstate 465, just west of its interchange with Interstate 65 on the city's south side. The crash left perhaps thousands of butter tubs strewn on the highway, many broken open and coating the roadway. Motorists were warned to look out for slick conditions and high cholesterol levels. That's your Daily Dose of Weird News. You can find more at DailyDoseOfWeirdNews.com. I'm Darren Marlar. But you've been down for it all When 
Thank you so much for staying tuned to This Needs to Be Said. There is an elephant in the room. Let's talk about it. We're on with Miss Nini Capri. She is an author and loving her rawness and her story, loving her, her journey and how she's turned it into a positive for herself. Nini Capri, we are so happy to have you as part of This Needs to Be Said today. Already got mm-hmm. feedback over the break, loving your story. They love your energy. And we're going to keep sharing because you have a topic today that what I'm going to be learning about, uh, the concrete jungle theory and why it's been able to stay alive. So I'm going to turn it over to you. I'm ready for you mm-hmm. to teach the This Needs to Be Said audience about mm-hmm. this concrete jungle theory, all right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you to all the, you know, the callers and listeners. We appreciate your support uh, to the show. Um, I will say this to begin, uh, my earliest memories. I can remember uh, growing up in and around North East Orange and Orange, New Jersey, uh, seeing the dynamic of the drugs coming to our community. I seen that happy 1970s-type spirit of free love change to hate overnight. Um, I watched that, that hand-to-hand money, drug, connection. And as a child, you would think that it would kind of scare you, but to me, it was sexy. Like, I, I wanted to be involved with it. Like, it, it had a drawing power. Watching a man, you know, say certain things and move a certain way, you know, certain type of car, you know, certain type of a, a woman on his side, you know, it was just a whole different look that flooded uh, into the communities back in that time. Uh, I was living in the projects, and I started hustling around, you know, 9 to 10. They asked you to run a little something over across town. They asked you to do this, do that. Hey, little mama, run this over here for me. And you start doing that. Next thing you know, you caught up. You know, you, you running stuff. You're doing favors. You're watching out for the police. Like, all of that is a dynamic. Um, uh-huh. I can remember being in sixth grade and still loving it, still doing my thing, and, and my teacher saying, Nene, where do you live? And I said, uh, I live in the projects, all proud, like I was living somewhere. She mm-hmm. said, baby, that's not a project, that's a success. And it changed my whole dynamic of how I thought about where we were. And I just started watching it different, you know, watching how people stay in the projects for generations and generations and generations and, like, pass their apartments on. Like, you had grandparents who could pass their apartment on to their child, and then the mother move out and pass the apartment on to her mm. child. I think that... Like it's property. Um, yes, 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 like it's property. And, and I, I think when you watch um, the Evans family, when you watch Good Times, that is a perfect example how they were stuck in that two-bedroom room all the way up till Thelma got married and pregnant. Like, it was generations stuck in that room. And in between that, you're getting fed drugs, alcohol, uh, bad press, uh, fights to the end, no type of let's be together. Even in that whole building with everybody in there, they still want you to feel like your unit is separate and you're different. Um, and then and then you have people who stay with each other in them buildings for so long, everybody has children with each other. Everybody's connected. But at the same time, it's so much hate and, and destruction planted into those communities. And it has been able to stay so, so successful because – Shaka Zulu said it best. He had let in an enemy into his tribe. Within a small period of time, they turned him against his mother, his mother against him, 
his children against him, him against his children. And at the end of the movie, he's sitting there in his broke-down palace. His mother is dead. His family is gone. Everybody's turned their back. He lost his whole kingdom. And he turned to the white man, and the white man is sitting there after they done pulled all these tricks by dyeing the Africans' hair to make it seem like they had a youth serum, taking away the gray, showing them mirrors, tricking them. And Shaka is sitting there in his broke-down palace, and he says, how do you trap a monkey? And the white man looked at him and said, I don't know. He said, show him something shiny. It's the shiny thing that keeps us in that mentality of hate, of rob, of don't care for your brother, don't care for your sister, step on your brother, step on your sister, do for yourself. You know, in other countries, they come over here, they live a hundred in a house if they have to, until each person saves up to get out of that house. And, and next thing you know, they got stores and everything in our neighborhood, and we still consumers. Our money goes around our community one time. In China, uh, Chinatown or anywhere in our communities, their money circulates six to ten times before it even leaves that community, making sure uh. everybody is prosperous. And, then they, and they sending us to the corner store to eat ooze and ooze and everything, diet, television, media, you know, bread, hatred, that stuff goes into the very DNA strand. And it, and, it, and it goes on for generations and generations. You know, illiteracy, that is something that can be passed on through the generational uh, strain where you have children being born illiterate because the parent and the parent before them and the parent before them and the parent before them had no education. So it's like, they breed that into the community, and, and, it, and it keeps it going. You know, that concrete jungle is for real. That, that, that dog-eat-dog, people with a beast-like or animal-like mentality, not that it's not any good people in our communities because there's plenty of beautiful people in our communities, but they can't get out because of the institutionalized uh, slavery, uh, different things like that, weaved into the community where you can only get but so far. Joe Fagan talks about that in his book, and uh, France Fanon, he talks about it in uh, The Wretched of the Earth. He talks about that, that DNA strand, depression, how it's just in our, it's in our strand. We have 400 years of murder, lynching, beating, wow. rape, killing our babies in front of us, cutting the woman's stomach open, letting the baby fall to the ground and stomp his head to put fear. That fear is in our bloodstream. You know, our kids nowadays, they have that I don't care attitude because they don't see no future for themselves. Have you ever seen on television where they're painting a beautiful picture of our ghetto communities where people are doing well and loving? No, they're showing you a fantasy life. And our children are saying, I can't get that. Only way I can get that is if I'm a rapper, if I'm a singer, if I perform. That's the only way I'm going to get out of here. They don't see no life. They don't see being a grandparent. Our grandparents mm. their whole life, so we wouldn't have to. They lived for the next generation so that we would have better. And somewhere along the line, that broke. That whole levy broke. We got a generation of kids that walk in the street against the green light knowing that there's 500 cars coming like, nigga, what hit me? They don't see right. no future for themselves. They don't think that they are part of this plan. 
They've been dumped off into dirty, rat-infested, roach-infested tenements, and then somebody say, now be successful. The doctors and the lawyers don't walk through our communities passing out information and advice. The drug dealers do. The dope man do. The pimp man do. The crip, the blood. They're the ones mentoring our children. So we, we, it's something that has to change in all of that. You know, we have an organization called the Prodigal Sons and Daughters. Wahida Clark is the national vice president. I am the uh, assistant director of the Ch- Trenton chapter, and we do mentoring for uh, formerly incarcerated as well as incarcerated families uh, as well as children with mental health because mental health is on the rise. You would be surprised how many teenagers and young adults are walking around with mental health issues because something along the line was not addressed. They've been raped, they've been beaten, they've been taken advantage of. These are the men and women who are walking around in the community with mental issues that are taking a strain on their whole body. They don't know where to get help. They don't know how to solve the problem, how to let go of demons so that they can heal. And then if you have children after that, Come on, you know it's going to be a problem. You know it's going to be a problem because it's in, it's, it's in the sperm. It's in the essence of man. It's in the womb of a woman. So you're going to keep wow. that going, keep that going. So, yeah, it, it, it is hard. That concrete jungle wow. is, you know, and, and they knew what they were and doing. I, <laughs> you, well, they did, and unfortunately our community had no idea. And you said, I heard everything you said. But show them something shiny. And I think of that even in training other African-American business owners. I find mm-hmm. that we look at the shiny things, and let, let us be clear, it's not always a literal shiny thing. It's whatever seems to be moving right now. And yeah. what, what happens is people want to abort the process the process of growth, in order to see this seed germinate, there's going to be seasons in and out. Sometimes you're going to have a good harvest, sometimes you're not. And we don't Mm -hmm. understand that. And you you talked about a favorite show of many of ours, Good Times. We did Mm -hmm. not, we missed it. I missed it. When you said that, my jaw dropped open. Mm -hmm. We missed that it was a generational thing. The parents Mm -hmm. were there. Thelma got married. All that stuff did happen there. They couldn't get out. They, they, they kept having the promise of, yeah, you kept thinking mm-hmm. that this would be the episode when they get out, but that never happened on that mm-hmm. show, even though it was a favorite of ours, and not understanding that we watched the cycle. We enjoyed watching a cycle. Mm-hmm. That, that's, and, and, and that's powerful. Let me tell you something. Wow. Not, not to cut you off, but when you look at two shows that are Caucasian-based, you look at All in the Family with Archie Bunker, he was a working class man, but he had a house. You look at married with children with uh, uh, the Bundys. The father had no intelligence. The mother had no intelligence. The daughter had no intelligence. The son was the only one who had some intelligence. They had a house. He was a shoe salesman. That means that he could work at Payless and he can have a house, but these people working four and five of them all in a dirty, rat-infested apartment in the project, they can't get out? The shiny thing. Uh-huh. That's that mental slavery. You feel me? You know why? Uh-huh. Why we can't get? Why we can't? Why? Why James Evans worked five hundred jobs. He couldn't get ahead. Then you look up uh-huh. and you look at your families. They got houses, and the wife don't even work. She home cooking meals all day. 
He work in a factory. Yeah. He can afford a house, but these five, six, seven, eight folks all in here working and trying to go to school, they can't get out for generations? There's a problem with that. That's that a media. A problem with that. Yeah. Wow. Nene, mm. let's do this. Okay. Give your website. We're going to need to chew on that for a couple of minutes because that's, <laughs> that's heavy. That's, that's heavy. I'm I'm sitting here going like, wow, like I saw that. I'm seeing this. Man, I enjoyed that. All of this stuff flooding in. And thank you for the comments, inboxing me. Put them on the fan page so she can see them, so I can see them. Um, TNTBS Talk Show fan page. But Nene, give your website so they can go and connect with you outside of this needs to be said. And we're going to go to a quick break. Yes, thank you. Please hit me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all Nene Capri. And I have NeneCapri.com that's up and running in a couple of days. So hit me anytime. All right, we'll be right back. Ah. Uh-huh. 
Waiting for you, baby. 
Thank you so much for staying tuned to This Needs to Be Said. There is an elephant in the room, and my goodness, Nene Capri, (laughs) you have brought a huge elephant in the room. And if we were trying to ignore it before today, let me tell you, we cannot ignore it. And what I'm imagining some people who didn't speak up saying, and that is just, you know, what I have the ability to do with elephants in the room. Some people are saying, is it that big of a deal? When you look at what's going on, when you – here, when you see what you've been seeing, we've been watching shows like Good Times. Um, mm-hmm. And let me tell you something. The, the um, Married with Children script was written for a black family, and because they would not allow it, now mm-hmm. you have the Bundys. So mm-hmm. it's, it's the white version of the Bundys, which is um, interesting because we couldn't have someone being able to be successful and have his wife working at home. You know, it, it just, and then, of mm-hmm. course, we didn't want to have a, a dumb black man either. It's okay. It's all of these different stereotypes, but we're seeing mm-hmm. what we're seeing, and now it's clearer. So how do we mm-hmm. begin to make a difference? How do we be, begin to break the cycle of that? And so for those who may be questioning that you didn't do it openly, and uh, rightfully so, um, it is a big deal. It is a big mm-hmm. deal because in record numbers we have people more dependent on a society feeding and telling them what to do and when to go and when to move, when we could all be self-sufficient citizens and we could all be a community that supports one another. And it is known that the African-American community is the most disabled in that area. If you do the Mm -hmm. statistics, read the statistics, all the other ethnicities, their communities, like you said, their dollars circulate in their community longer than ours does. And that's because we're not able at this point to meet our basic needs to help one another. The love, Mm -hmm. the compassion, the know-how, we don't have it. So, Nene, I want to know to you, uh, from you, the, the solution that you see that needs to happen in our community in order to empower more people to be able to be self-sufficient. Yes, ma'am. Um, the first thing that has to be tore down is the I, I, me, me syndrome. Uh, when, you, when you're a child, you, you, they teach you, I have to have a house. I have to have a car. I have to have a family. I have to, I, I. When you constantly feed a people the I, I, me, me syndrome, then what's happened to your neighbor is not your business. Uh, what's happening to the man down the road is none of your business because I have to worry about myself. Um, I saw on Facebook they showed an anthropologist went over to Africa and he put the fruit under a tree and he said to the small children, uh, the first one to make it over there uh, will be able to have the fruit. When the children realized the instruction, they all grabbed hands and went together. And then they sat around a tree and shared the fruit. And they they quoted something uh, in the African language, which I cannot pronounce. However, it meant that everybody had to have it. You know, it it wouldn't have been satisfied to the spirit unless every child had made it over there and was able to to touch and taste and enjoy that fruit. And we're not at that point. You know, it has to be a whole big change. And, What's happening now in the media, what's happening with our young black men being gunned down in the street, our young children being beaten in the street and videotaped, young children jumping on grown people, that's unheard of. That's unheard of. For, for a world star, uh, you've got grown men taping themselves, beating and dragging women in the street. 
for the for, for the entertainment of who? who? Who are you entertaining? Because when you go to right. other countries and they look at us, they think that we are fools. They think that we are fools. When you see a when you when they see a black man in Africa coming through with his his European clothing on, they yell out "Puffy, Puffy, Puffy" because they associate hip hop music with every black man in America. Yeah. They associate ratchet black women to what they can see on television, which is the love and hip hop. That's why when the people come to our country and, and they and you say, "Oh, those Africans don't have any respect," or "Those Chinese people are looking at me like I'm dirt." Uh, hello, those are all of the, the visions that they get. So then they push you right into that small little cluster area, go ahead on and kill each other and wipe each other out, and they build houses all around you, and everybody's coming in and working and having commerce and helping each other in your own community, and we're still stagnated. Mm-hmm. You got people fighting over blocks that they, they don't, that they don't own. You got one man going to kill another man. His mama don't own a house on that block. How are you going to kill a man for a square feet of concrete that you don't even own? Don't come on this block. You don't don't even own your car that you park on that block. Uh. Something has to be changed. It's going to take 100% dissatisfaction to bring 100% change. It's not going to help if a few people are dissatisfied because they're able to distract us so easily. Here, go throw water Uh on yourself. Um, Here's this, here's that. Shut up. Don't look. Nobody's paying attention. Don't even worry about it. Sometimes you look up and you say, well, Dad, what happened to that big thing that was in the news? They done swept that so far under the carpet, you're not even thinking about it because they done opened up a new club. Uh You know, Uh they done put out a new brand that you have to have, that you have to get to. They're not saying, here, uh-huh. run out and get our land. They're, 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 that's not on television. Have you ever seen a television commercial where they're standing up there saying, come on, hurry up, come get some of these patches of earth that you can call your own, you can grow your own food and live like you got uh, some type of civilized sense? Absolutely not. They put things up there they know that you cannot get, and people go out there, rob, steal, and kill to have them. Trying uh-huh. to be successful. Dying, I'll say dying to be successful. <laughs> I won't even say trying. I'll say dying wow. to be successful. And that's, a, yeah. I mean, you said a mouthful. For those who say, well, I give, it, it's going to take all of us locking hands to give together because those who don't give, those who look out for themselves, and, again, let me be clear, you have to take care of yourself in order to help other people. But for that person who's always taking care of themselves, and never helping those who really do need help. And you know who really does need help and those who are just getting over trying not to have to put through, put forth any effort. You look and you pay attention and you listen. But for those who are never helping other people, they're the ones telling those who are trying to help others, you shouldn't do that. They're always warning you against, don't, don't do that, don't help. You need to pay attention. For me, when I started This Needs to Be Said, and when I know we're about to wrap up in just a little bit, when I started This Needs to Be Said, if it wasn't for the people who helped me along the way, I wouldn't have it. If I had to wait to save up a certain amount of money to get there, it wouldn't have happened. So the universe opened up to me the resources that I needed to be able to do what I'm doing and to maintain for five years and growing. And I do my best to give and support and share with other people. There are some times that people mishandle that, but that, that's, what, that's on them. However, I will not avoid helping people because if it wasn't for people reaching out and helping me when I didn't have the money to pay for a class 
and I could do an internship or just give me a hand up. Um, if it wasn't for those people, and it's lots of people, too many to name right now, I would not be here. I would not be doing a radio show and a television show and, and coaching other people mm-hmm. on how to, to grow their business. I wouldn't be doing those things. And if I listened mm-hmm. to all the people who said you shouldn't do that, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be here today. And we need more We need more of that, more of that fighting through because it's a mentality, and this thing is, is deep. If we're thinking yes. of where slavery came, you, you have to convince a person to do it your way because you can't right now have two people in the room that agree on dinner. What are we going to have for mm-hmm. dinner? Well, I want steak. Well, I want chicken. Well, I, you know, I'm a vegetarian. People are changing their mind just over mm-hmm. dinner. So, yes, to make a movement that you're going to be met with some friction, a lot of mm-hmm. friction, because this is going to turn things upside down. The shiny yes. thing syndrome, <laughs> I'm going to call it, would go away. It would be no more. You would be okay with not having to be like your the other person, have exactly what they have and compete. Why are we competing, you know? Yes. So this is a huge this is a huge topic. I don't know how we even dare to do this in one show. Um <laughs> but this is a lot to think about and if you are inboxing me comments, please put them on the Facebook page, TNTBS Talk Show fan page. I know this is an excellent topic. Um I'm here <laughs> and I'm glad that you all are enjoying it. Make sure yes. that you put it on the TNTBS Talk Show fan page. Nene, this has been great. This has been great. We're gonna wrap up, but I want you once again to let people know about your books, how they can connect with you outside of this needs to be said. And I want to thank you for being a part of the elephant in the room today. <laughs> wow. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. I thank you so much for giving me this platform. Um, I'm, I'm more than an author. I hold two degrees in philosophy and, and law. I'm on my way to law school. Um, I own Boss Lady Publishing. I also own uh, Right and Royalty Entertainment, where we have Right and Royalty Radio every Wednesday and Sunday night. I have the Pussy Trap Series 1, 2, and 3, Pussy Trap 4, Coming Your Way. I have the Trust No Bitch Series 1, 2, and 3 with a prequel coming. Watch out for that. And I have Tainted uh, 1 out, 2 is coming. And I just released Dreamweaver. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh-huh. I'm meaning to I'm humble to talk to you. I'm thankful. If you hit me up, I will hit you back anytime, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm, I'm always out there sharing with my readers and people who want to connect with me, and I'm honored. I'm just honored and I'm blessed that I'm given this platform and that I could come and speak with some intelligentsia and be able to (laughs) give to my readers. (laughs) All right, I love it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. And we're we're going to have to, we'll we'll continue. We're going to have to talk some more about this. Oh, my goodness. You can part to me anytime. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for being a part of this needs to be said. There will Thank never you. be a point in your time in your life where it's the right time to do a great thing. If you're waiting for that perfect, perfect moment, that perfect timing, it's not going to happen. You know what you have to do? You have to create the perfect time and the perfect opportunity and the perfect situation. that a lot of people become comfortable. They stop growing. They stop wanting anything. They they become satisfied. People getting ready to go to jobs that they don't like. Jobs that are making them sick. You see, when you're not pursuing your goal, you are literally committing spiritual suicide. 
When you have some goal out here that you're stretching for and reaching for, that takes you out of your comfort zone, you'll find out some talents and abilities you have that you didn't know you have. When the messenger of misery visits you, what are you going to do? What will keep you in the game? There are things that you think you'll never need to know that you may only need to know one time in your life, but that could save your life because you had that knowledge. Unless you attempt to do something beyond that which you've already mastered, you will never grow. What is it that you looked at at some point in time and you decided that you couldn't do it? That you talked yourself out of it? You're waiting on your next door neighbor to make it happen for you. It may not happen. If you're waiting on your mother or your father, they may be so ancient in their thinking that they don't understand this opportunity that you have. And if you're waiting on them, it may never get done. You don't beg average people to be phenomenal. You don't beg good people to be phenomenal. You just are phenomenal and you will attract phenomenal. What reason can you remember that you can call on, that you can reach on, that can make you get back up? Find that reason. If you're not where you are, if you're not where you want to be, if you don't have what you want, want to have, if you're not where you think you should be at this particular place, it has nothing to do with the system, but it has everything to do with the fact that you're not making the sacrifice. I want you to make that dream become a reality because if you don't, you will be working for somebody else to make their dreams become a reality. Everybody is against you or don't believe in you no more. And let me tell you something, that's a lonely feeling. It's a lonely feeling, particularly people that you're doing it for. Most people take their greatness, take their ideas to the graveyard with them. Listen to me, if it was easy, everybody would do it. There are people right now who are working who don't want to work. There are people who hate their job, but they keep getting up to do it. The wealthiest place on the planet is the graveyard. Because in the graveyard we will find inventions that we never ever were exposed to. Ideas, dreams that never became reality. Hopes and aspirations that were never acted upon. Question is what are you going to do with your time? What drives you? Greatness is a lot of small things done well. Day after day. Workout after workout, obedience after obedience, day after day. When things don't work out for you, when things happen that you could not anticipate, what are the reasons that you can think of that can keep you strong? You will never ever be successful until you turn your pain into greatness, until you allow your pain to push you from where you are to push you to where you need to be. Stop running from your pain and embrace your pain. Your pain is going to be a part of your pride, a part of your product. I, I challenge you to push yourself. See, it's easy to be on the bottom. It doesn't take any effort to be a loser. It doesn't take any motivation, any drive in order to stay down there on a low level. But it calls on everything in you. You have to harness your will to say, I'm going to challenge myself. I mean that what you did last week don't count. Today, today is the only important day. There are 86,400 seconds in a day, and how you use those are critical. You got 86,400 today, and what you do today is going to see me who you are. Nobody's going to talk about what you did last week. that the biggest enemy you have to deal with is yourself.
There's an old African proverb that says, if there's no enemy within, the enemy outside can do us no harm. You have this opportunity of a lifetime. It means absolutely nothing if you don't take advantage of it in the lifetime of this opportunity. I got a thing that when life knocks you down, try and land on your back because if you can look up, you can get up. If you want a thing bad enough to go out and fight for, to work day and night for, to give up your time, your peace, and your sleep. If all that you dream and scheme is about it, and life seems useless and worthless without it. See, it's time now. If you want to make this your decade, you've got to start saying yes to your life. You've got to start saying yes to your dreams. Yes to your unfolding future. Yes to your potential. As opposed to saying no. When you die, die on eat. Leave no dream left behind, God. Leave no opportunity left behind. When you leave this earth, accomplish every single thing you can accomplish. Listen to me. You're going to be here one day, but you'll never get here if you give up, if you give in, if you quit. And finally, God, you got to want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've gained something from what has been shared. Special thanks to the creators of the TNTBS jingle. It was written by Lamont Champ Josie and composed by Robert Jenkins. Thank you to everyone who supports us by downloading the phone app at thisneedstobesaid.com, by commenting on the TNTBS talk show fan page on Facebook, by retweeting us on Twitter at TNTBS, by also sharing this show with your friends. Thank you for logging in through your computer as well as calling in to listen on the phone lines. Now go out and tell more people about this great show. If you thought the show sucked, tell them anyway. Bad news travels fast is what I'm told. Either way, tell them to tune in each weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're always looking for new guest commentators, awesome topics, and most of all, we want your opinion. Visit us at www.thisneedstobesaid.com. We'd love to hear from you. There's an elephant in the room. You were thinking it, so we're going to talk about it. Until we meet again in the same place at the same time, have a super day.